Oh, thank you, uh, team. I, what a great, that's an old song, right? He knows your name, but what a great reminder. What great news. The God in heaven, the creator, uh, the one through whom, all, uh, through whom all life has its origins knows your name, our name. More on that in a moment. Um, but it's great news. And really, I'm, I'm very excited about this teaching series coming up, Resurrection Stories, because they're all good news stories. And our world, it seems to me, needs a little bit more good news. In fact, you might need a little bit more good news. Uh, it is, um, I've gotten to, into a new habit, which I'm very excited about. It's quit listening to the news <laughs> habit. Because um, it just is a bit sort of demoralizing after a while, actually. And I'm not trying to keep my head in the sand. I, I get that these stories are happening, whether I know about them or not. But it, it can feel a little, uh, yeah, demoralizing. Before we get into the text, actually, I want you to be aware that the, the story, the resurrection story that we're going to tell this morning, Mary Magdalene, which is a great story, is actually a fulfillment of something Jesus says several chapters earlier, and it actually lands us where we live. So here's what Jesus says. He's addressing his, all of his disciples at this point. Uh, this is before his crucifixion. And he says, uh, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when the baby is born, she forgets, maybe, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that, her chi that a child has been born into the world. So it is with you. Now is the time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And a little further he goes on, he says, I've told you these things so that in me, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So these are words that Jesus says to his followers before the crucifixion. He's just reminding them, there's going to be a time where you're going to have grief, where there's going to be sorrow and pain. But thankfully, in the good news part of these stories is that's not where the story ends. But it is a reality, and it's our reality too, right? I don't know all of your individual stories, bits and pieces of some of them. Uh, enough to know that there's struggle uh, in, in our lives, and in our community, and in our city, and in our country and world. And you listen, and you have grief, and you have pain, and sorrow, and sadness. And into that world this story. Reading from John chapter 20, starting in at verse 11. Mary Magdalene's resurrection story, well, her encounter with the resurrection. Now Mary stood outside the tomb. So this is now on resurrection morning. This would have been a week ago for us. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked, Woman, why, why are you crying? Well, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I, I, don't, I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? 
Who is it you're looking for? Well, thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, sir, if, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not, all, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. It's a tremendous story. It's a familiar resurrection story. I want to just um, maybe look at two movements or moments in this story, what I'll call the narrative moment or, and the theological moment, what you could think of as like kind of the climax of the story and the climax of Jesus' teaching or something like that. Okay, so just two little tidbits you need to see here. Um, you can see that this story is an outworking of that earlier text where Jesus says, you will grieve, you will cry, um, right? The story begins with Mary crying, grieving, right? She's come to the tomb to grieve the loss of Jesus. And when she gets to the tomb, all she can, or what she finds is, you know, the body gone, the stone rolled away, the body gone. The only logical thing that she can come up with is somebody's stolen Jesus, Right? That's, that's it. That's what she's got. Um, she says it twice, in fact. She simply has no category for what's actually taken place. What's taken place is the resurrection. But she has no cognitive place to put that right now. She doesn't, like, it just doesn't, like, it just is so far beyond her wildest dreams and imagination, she just can't, like, she doesn't get there. She thinks somebody's stolen Jesus' body. And I find interesting in this is when Jesus does address her, um, he doesn't chastise her, he doesn't criticize her for this. Right? He doesn't say, oh, Mary, come on, like I told you three times I was going to do this. Or like, hello, McFly, right? There was none of that going on. Gently, he says, who is it you're looking for? Which I think is a really gentle, respectful, remarkable question, given who he is, and surely he knows who she's looking for, <laughs> right? And it's just interesting to note that her lack of imagination, or lack of category, or lack of right belief in this moment doesn't eliminate her from encountering the resurrected Jesus. She mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Like, so this is one of these story techniques, right? I'm told authors do this all the time, where the author tells you, the audience, the reader, something, but the person in the character in the story doesn't quite know what's going on, so you know more than the character. This is one of those, right? So you know it's Jesus. Mary, in the story, does not. So there's this dissonance, kind of creates this tension. We're going to the narrative moment, she thinks he's the gardener and repeats her sort of question, where have you taken him? Where have you put him? In response, Jesus says one word. Mary. Mary. Says her name. It's easy to miss in this story. I read this story numerous times before this 
came out for me. Um, it's easy to miss in the story that the story actually says Mary turned toward Jesus twice. So the first time, it says she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. She thought it was a gardener. And she says, um, well, and then that's when Jesus says, who are you looking for? And she says, sir, if, you, if you've carried him away, tell me. Right, so the first time she thinks, gardener, sir, who is it? Uh, where is he? The second time she turns to Jesus, she turned toward him and cried out, Rabboni. The second time she sees. And the moment in between those two turnings is the narrative high point of the story, right? Jesus says her name, Mary. Mary. And as Jesus says her name, she sees what she couldn't see before, right? It was gardener, stranger, someone maybe who's stolen Jesus' body. Here's her name. It's Jesus, the risen one, right? Turns on that moment, the story, Mary. Jesus says her name. I want to just take you just real quick uh, through a couple verses here on how significant this is. So first one from Psalm 147. This is how the psalmist writes it, okay? This is poetry to be sure, but listen. The Lord, Psalm 147, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Okay? This is the psalmist reflecting on God. And I don't know if you've ever had the fortune of camping in the backwoods somewhere where you're in like the dark sky zones, um, which I'm grateful that those exist. And you, you know, it's a clear night and you see the stars. I mean, you can see them in Calgary, but they're like, mm. but if you go out to those dark sky zones and you see the stars and they're just like, like it actually does take your breath away, truly. Um, I've literally, I didn't just trip over my tent. I really, like, out of just sheer wonder, almost fell over one time when I was backpacking. Just, it was, there was nobody, not in my school, not in my city, not in this country or this continent that knew who I was. And I can walk you to the exact spot in the hallway in R.T. Alderman Junior High School when somebody said to me my name for the first time. I can stand you there. I can walk you to that spot. Because I've got a Dutch name that only people in Holland get right. And this Canadian kid said, hey, Renus. And I'm like, what? <laughs> somebody said my name. It is powerful. When somebody calls out your name, not hey, you, or dude, but Renus. And this text, this story from Mary, and as it echoes out to us, is that God calls your name, yours. Don't miss how, how powerful that is. What good news that is. The God of the universe, who is big and vast, is also imminent. That's what the theologians would say. He's transcendent, big, imminent, close. He is close enough to know your name. That is fantastic news, friends. Um, in a world that can feel very impersonal, God knows your name.
I'm going to just pause a little aside and then I'll get right back. But if you, every now and then we've been kind of championing that uh, mini-series, The Chosen. It's online. You can find it there. We have links to it in Sermons Plus. The very first episode of the first season is all about that verse that I read to you in Isaiah. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And it tells a hypothetical, but I think somewhat accurate story of Mary Magdalene. It's her story, but her backstory. Um, not this particular story of at the tomb, but it tells kind of who she was and how she grew up. And it features this verse in an incredibly powerful way. And I just invite you sometime this week to take 45 minutes and just watch that and just catch the power of God calling your name. And imagine yourself in the story. Imagine God calling out to you that way. All right, that's the story moment, the narrative moment. Now let's just get into the theological moment. And it's a little different. It's related, but, but a tiny bit different. Um, so Jesus calls out to her. She in turn responds, Rabboni, which, um, I mean, John helpfully translates that because we don't all speak Aramaic. Uh, it means teacher. It's Rabbi means teacher too. So I think this is, has a bit of a kind of like almost like dear teacher. Like it's got a bit of a, a personal sort of term of endearment. Like there's, it's more than just teacher, I think, uh, the commentators would suggest. But um, but it comes with recognition. Oh, this is who you are. And then Jesus says this, and this is the theological moment, the, the teaching moment, if you will. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, all right? A couple things here. Uh, first of all, and we won't get into this, uh, we'll get into this later in this series, but notice that Jesus is, is referencing the ascension here. Not, this is a resurrection story. It's on resurrection morning. But right away he says, I have not yet ascended. He's going to talk about his ascension uh, 40 days after the resurrection. And for John, the gospel writer, death, resurrection, and ascension form understanding what God has done in Jesus. And ascension is sort of the final move of that unit. We'll explain it and we'll talk a little bit more about it come Ascension Sunday, uh, five weeks from now. Okay, but just notice that that's sort of what's going on. But what I want to point out in this is notice that Jesus refers to his followers as brothers. Okay, so when he says, um, go and tell my brothers, you could interpret that as, oh, he means like, you know, Jude and James, like his literal brothers. Uh, but I think it's, the context would suggest, and certainly Ma Mary Magdalene understood, go to the disciples, brothers. And the disciples we know included men and women. And the Greek word here, adelphos, is not gender limiting. It's brothers sort of generic. Brothers and sisters brothers. Kind of like, hey, you guys. It's kind of a, I know our language is shifting a bit on this, but in this context, it's clear that it's, he's talking about, you know, brothers and sisters. It's inclusive on that. And it's used to identify all of Jesus' followers, his disciples, as, as family. And if that wasn't, you know, clear enough, listen to what he says next. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God 
and your God. And what Jesus is clarifying to Mary in this moment is that the relationship, that intimate, deep relationship that Jesus has with the Father is now possible for us. You're invited into that relationship. Your relationship with God actually can mirror Jesus' relationship with God, which is an absolutely stunning statement that you have the same um, access to the Father. You're invited into the same kind of relationship that Jesus had. I mean, this has echoes of um, the story of Ruth, right? If you remember that story with, uh, back in the Old Testament, uh, I have not memorized anything in Ruth, so let me look it up. Um, and Ruth is uh, an outsider to the community. And she, anyway, what the story is, she's now going back with her mother-in-law. Her husband has died. And her mother-in-law says, you don't have to come. Uh, you want you stay home with your family. And Ruth's response is, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where, I go, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will go. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. And there's this real sense of, you know what? I'm with you now. I'm going wherever you're going, I'm going. Wherever, whoever you worship, I'm worshiping. I'm casting my lot in with you. And there's an echo of that here. Jesus is saying, look, it's, it's, it's no longer my relationship with the Father in some kind of exclusive way. It's your relationship as well. That's what the death, resurrection, and ascension sort of opens up. Right? And notice it's because of what Jesus has done. This, this absolutely echoes this. Jesus in, sorry, John in the prologue, in the beginning of John, he lays out all his themes. And this theme in chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 yet to all who did receive him to all who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god children born not of natural descent or human decision but born of god because what god has done we are now his children he is now my father as well as your father my god your god we're invited into that there's many things that I could speak about here uh, in terms of my friendship with my Syrian friends who are part of this community. Uh, one of the things that I've loved about that relationship is they always refer to me as brother. I'm like, I'm not your brother, but it's taken me a while to kind of, you know, I'm Western and clueless maybe. I am, not you, but, um, and I've taken, you know, a little while to kind of, but now I find myself doing that too when I see them, hey, brother, and I, I understand, I'm beginning to understand that they mean it. <laughs> I'm part of their family now. And they're part of mine. And I'm grateful. Or, you know, that's been our situation, our experience with the various foster kids we've had in our home, whose family of origin has been somewhat interrupted. But as we've, they've been part of this community, there's been different people in this community that have really embraced different kids in our home. And you've become their family. And Jesus is now just saying, uh, this is what he's opened up for us. Uh, it's tremendous news, friends. All right, so this is good news that echoes out to us this morning. In a world that maybe is, um, inundates you with bad news, there is good news. God knows your name. And if that isn't good enough, I mean, that's good news. But not only does God know your name, he draws you in 
to his family. You are now Jesus' brother and sister. And when you meet him, he's ready to embrace you and say, brother, sister, the same way every time I say, we'll lead, that's what happens. He embraces me, brother, how are you? That's fantastic, fantastic. I invite you to just sit with those moments, um, both the narrative moment and the theological moment. Such good news in this resurrection story. The last thing I'll just point out real quick is uh, what one of the features, I've, as I've been reading a, many of these stories in, in the Gospels, Jesus encounters, resurrection encounters, um, a number of them end in the same place with the person running to tell the news. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and say she ran, but I picture her running, putting on her jogging shoes, maybe like that, maybe not, probably not. But, you know, she's going to the disciples, she's probably not sauntering, right? Like she's like, she probably is in a bit of a hurry, she's excited, she just can't wait to tell them the news. And the news is simple, I have seen the Lord. And many of the resurrection stories end this way. There's an encounter with the risen Christ, and then the person just can't wait to tell that news. No surprise. Let me just leave it here, okay? We're going to pick up a number of these other stories. But let me just leave it here, and we're just going to transition for a moment into this communion scene, which may feel a little bit sort of jarring to you because communion tends to be associated to, with Jesus' last supper. It is. Um, and I'm laying it alongside resurrection. But here's where I want to frame this is in this meal, the one that we symbolize with a loaf of bread, they're out front here, a loaf of bread and uh, grape juice in this case, uh, wine in Jesus' case, is there symbols of Jesus' broken body, his shed blood. But what is uh, notable to me is who Jesus shares the meal with. Um, Mike and I were chatting this week and saying it's curious that Jesus wants us to remember this death and resurrection and ascension, kind of this unit, with a meal. You think, I mean, he could have, like, given us, I don't know, something else, like a handshake or go paint a fence or whatever. I don't know. It could have been a different practice. But it's a meal. Because one of the fundamental things family do together, right? In our house, I don't know how it plays out for you. In our house, we're like, Daniel, it's supper time. Jackson, supper time. We call them by name, and they come to the table as family. Which is exactly what Jesus is inviting us to this morning at this table. He is calling you by name to the table. And you gather around the table as family. You are his brother or sister. And so we invite you into this practice let me read to you what Jesus sets up in, in, uh, the night before, or the night he is betrayed, I guess. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. So this is now a few days back where he's leading up to the crucifixion. But he reclines at the table with his friends and he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I've eagerly desired to gather around this table with my family, people I know by name. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And he sets up this symbol for us to practice, okay? It's a symbol. Um, I mean, they were having a full-on meal. Um, and more on that in a moment. But we're inviting you just to have a, in a sense, the, pick up the symbols within that meal. The broken bread, the cup with juice, as an invitation to, to be called to the table by name, to sit at the table as family. So I'm going to ask the team, why don't you come on up? Um, they're going to play uh, quietly in the back here a little bit. Um, this is just one of those moments where everything can just slow down. Um, Alisa and Jenna are going to come. They're going to stand here and serve. They've got um, these little cups. I think you're all very familiar with them by now. Um, it's kind of the weird two-lid system. So there's a wafer on top, and then you peel back the second lid, and there's juice. Uh, they'll have gloves on um, and invite you to come forward. Uh, there's gluten-free bread in, uh, wrapped you know, front there if that's what you need. And if you have, uh, if you, this catch you a little off guard online or just take some, you'll have lots of time. Just go grab the things you need to participate. But as you come this morning, uh, and, and in the room, the way we'll do that is we invite you to come down the side aisles. You can come to either of these stations, come down the side aisles, take what you need, go back to your seat through the center aisle, um, and then you can partake at your seat. Uh, at home, you can do that however you wish. Uh, but as you come, imagine yourself, enter into the story and imagine Jesus literally calling you by name to the table. And as you sit at the table with Jesus and eat this in, in symbol, eat this meal, remember you're his family. And that matters. So let me pray and then invite you forward. God, I thank you that you, um, you call us by name. It's fantastic. I pray that we would hear you this morning even, calling us by name to join you at the table. And I thank you that as we come, you, you just embrace us as family, brothers, sisters also stunning. Thank you for this invitation. May we, may we come, even as you invite us. God, we give you thanks in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.